Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Well, I don't see the point in waiting any longer. So let's bring her out. The star attraction. The one you came to see, ladies and gentlemen, the one, the only, Miss Judy Gold. I, I don't even know how to begin today's episode. Where do I begin? To tell the story <laughs> of how great a love can be. Okay, I, I have to start with a story about you. Okay, that's good. Okay, so... First of all, I'm going to say dream guest today. Today is dream guest. We can name this episode dream guest. Oh, Judy. I can okay. die. I can die. I can die tomorrow. I can die right now. Judy looks okay. like she's about to kill me. So, I'll so all right. So when I started doing stand-up, I right. was in college, okay. as you were. Right. Um, what school were you at? Rutgers. Uh-huh. Now, I think I've told the story before on the show. Um, I had someone had dared me to do stand up <laughs> for Secret Santa, and that was the first time I did it. I had yeah. to write material about the people who lived on my floor. Then I was entered into a talent show. Okay. Uh, that Rutgers was having, and I won. And uh, I got to perform with uh, some people from Catch a Rising Star. Oh. And it was Larry Amaros, Bill Sheft, and Adrian Tulsh. Oh, my God. So I got to do five minutes, mm -hmm. and after that five minutes, yeah, um, I Adrian said to me, "Kid, you got to come to catch. I'm the MC." Of course, I thought, "Oh, I'm going to be getting on. I'll be on the Tonight Show next week." <laughs> right? Yes. Um, and I started going in every Monday night and hanging out. That's what you had to do. Yeah, hang like out. all night right. till two, three. Sometimes I didn't get on, but I didn't care. Mm-hmm. One night. It was one of the first nights I was there. You walked in, and I was so starstruck. It was like really. I I, I was like, <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> Carol Lee, because I had watched you uh -huh. um, on the Tonight Show, and didn't you do the? T I, I don't know if you had no. done Letterman. It was Letterman. He was Letterman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't do the Tonight Show until very late. very later. Okay, so I had watched. Yeah, because I didn't even watch the Tonight Show. So I don't know what I'm talking about. Anyway. Um, and I remember seeing you, and I was just like, I, I can't. That was one of my first memories of like being in a club in New York. Wow! And you were, you know, like where the doors were, uh -huh. and then the bar was. Um, yes. You, like the if left. you walked in, was on the left, and you were leaning against the wall on the right talking to someone and I almost shit in my pants. Oh my so, God. So ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> we are talking about the one, the only, the incredible, Carol Leifer is here! Oh my God. Wow. I mean, it, I can't even tell you. I was like, you were like my hero. Oh. I, I mean, you know, because there weren't a lot. No. There weren't a lot to choose from. I mean, mm -hmm. I had my heroes of, you know, Joan and I love Tody Fields. You know, um, 
I, and I loved Mom's Mabley because she was so down and you know dirty uh-huh, and uh-huh. and you were just such a master joke writer and just so, made me giggle like you made me it was you uh I mean you still are but I'm just saying it was you know how like when you walk in a club and you see right, someone right. yeah it's kind of like when I first time I went to catch and I saw Elaine Boozler I uh-huh. think because I was like if someone like that could do it maybe I could do right it. right yeah. Well, oh, I'm very honored. Thank you. So, just so you know, you've had a major impact on me. Oh, good. Um, I'm just glad that story didn't end with. Then I went over to you, and you were so mean. Yeah, you didn't. <laughs> I think I was too nervous to even talk to you. Because <laughs> um, I remembered working with you, even. But well, I remember when we worked together, um, we did something because Lori David yes. got us something, or right. Lori Leonard at the then, time. Yes, in Nay Boston. Leonard. Yeah, and. Um, I was in Boston. Yeah, we were in Boston, and I was like, "Oh my god, I can't believe I'm working with Kara." I was like freaking out. But I, you know what I remember about that? What you remember, Cindy Eaton? She yes. was this comic, and you kept asking me if you, th- if I thought she was a lesbian. Oh, really? Yes. That's and I very was like, odd. yeah. And I was like, God, she's asking me all these lesbian questions. Hmm. And um, because I was a les, I don't, I don't know, because I've been really hiding it for. So long. <laughs> And I was like, oh, Carol's really interested in, in That know. is very interesting. Yeah. Shape so, of things to come. Yes, the shape of water. <laughs> <laughs> the winner is. Carol, um, Topical. your resume really, I, I don't think anyone else really can even compare to, you know, what you've done as far as, you know, writing for, I mean, you're just so fucking successful. But the thing that I... You're so positive. I do, how can you be a comic and be so positive? You're just so positive. I am. I am positive. I'm, I'm, but were you always like that? I, um, I don't know necessarily, but I know that to be successful and what I talk about in my book. Yes, I I read this book called How to Succeed to read. in Business Without Really Crying. Yes, I'm holding it up like we have a fu- like we're on television. <laughs> um, it's such a great read. Um, and it's really gets you get the essence of you. Thank you. In it, and the stories are fantastic. But yeah, you are one of the most positive people I've met in this business. Well, I and am... HIV positive as well. <laughs> <laughs> wait, where's my bell? It's there. Oh wait, I didn't. Carol Leifer, ladies and gentlemen, oh, that's the Jew okay. bell. Anytime right. we mention anything remotely Jewish, <laughs> the bell rings. Well, I am positive because I found that negativity. Um, will always get in your way and trip you up and not lead you towards success. So when you realize that things are not personal because we're comics, we're sensitive people, and that it's not personal and you can let things roll off your back, things will go a lot better. I'm still working on that. Are you really? Yeah. Yeah? not working. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Um, so let can we start? Let's start at the beginning. You grew up on Long Island. Yes. Mother psychologist, mm-hmm. father optometrist. Yes. Um, and your father was the funny one. My father was hysterical. Yeah. He was a he was the tumbler. Oh, I didn't do that for your of mother, the neighborhood as we. Oh, there we go. <laughs> neighborhood is not Jewish. No. Um, <laughs> um, he was funny. He. Uh, liked to tell jokes, was good at telling jokes, and I watched him as a little girl telling jokes, 
and I saw how he captivated people and got attention right. and brought people together by being funny, and that had a huge impact on me. And it seems like if you, the more you read about you, like he would have, he would have liked to do he what you would did. have yes. liked to. But it's interesting, and I'm trying to kind of dissect it now. When I asked him, because I said went to him once, Dad, why did you never go into it? And he was like, in my generation, you know, we had to make a living. Like right. you didn't that that wasn't that dream accessible. Right. It was. You did. You got a job, and you found right. optometry, and that's what you did. So I always felt badly that he could never pursue it. But same time, I know, I know my, uh, I knew my dad really well, and right. I do think what you have to go through would have been uh, too much for him. Yeah, that's because I, I interviewed my mother for my twenty-five questions for a Jewish mother show. Yeah, yeah. And I said, which I love. Thank you. I said to her. Um, what oh sorry what would you have done if you hadn't had children and she said i would have done what you i mean you know what you do and i thought i Mm. I can't even imagine her in an audition like and them saying okay thank you very much thank you very much i'm sorry i work so goddamn thank you i drove here you know i just yeah yeah can't imagine her dealing with the constant right you're a piece of crap yes um, next. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Um, okay. So you get to, I mean, pretty normal childhood. A very normal. Like no um, rape or pillaging or homelessness or, I mean, just really, but the mother psychologist, that must have been really hard. The mother psychologist is definitely a trip. Um, I joke about it in my act, but it's true. Like the shrink hat is always on. Right. You know, like I remember driving with my mom practicing when I was in high school and I accidentally hit a squirrel and I felt horrible, obviously. And my mom was like, you know, Carol, clearly the squirrel displayed suicidal tendencies. (laughs) 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 So, but there's, yeah, there's always the analytic, but I, I think I'm a true mixture of both my parents because my mom was serious and analytic and very uh, mellow side and my dad was you know the joke teller and the right. social butterfly and and I feel like I got kind of a, a good mix of both of them and it's you can see that in your comedy as well Thank you. you're Thank welcome you. you're welcome <laughs> um but I remember a funny story about my mom at some point my uh, brother was dating a woman that um he brought home but it was clear at the table that nobody liked her and was she Jewish she was, yeah. Okay. <laughs> and um, I remember going in the kitchen, and my mother came in carrying a casserole and just looked at me and casserole. said, she's very hard to take, and then just went right out. <laughs> <laughs> she's very, very hard even, to take. Hard did he marry her? No, he did not. Mm. No. So um, it's just uh, she made me laugh the way that she would right. deliver things like that. Right. Um, and you were into theater, mm-hmm. it, and then... You go to Binghamton. I did. Um, but here's the thing. You were a cheerleader. Like, you're. I think you're the only <laughs> female comic who was a cheerleader in high school. I, I have to say, yeah, I, I don't have a lot of the same stories that my female brethren right. have. 
Like yeah. I was in the marching band and I was six feet tall at 13 and I got called Bigfoot and Sasquatch every day and I hated school so much. And I'm reading and you're, it's like, and I was in high, I was the cheerleader and I was like, oh. um, all right, so you go to Binghamton and, um, which is a great school, by the way. Yeah. But it wasn't called Binghamton when you went SUNY, to it. Well, SUNY Binghamton Harper College. I right. think now it's just called Binghamton University. Yeah, but it's really hard to get into. I know. I don't even think I would get into Yeah. There. They're all hard to get into yeah. now. Yeah. Um, okay. And you uh, befriend Paul Reiser. Yes. We're in the same theater group. Right. I mean, like, what are the... Cha- I like. Oh, wait. Paul Reiser. Sorry. <laughs> what are the chances... That you're in the same theater group and you're both major star. Like it's, it's unbelievable. Like usually, the percentage of that happening is you know, is, one is low. Yeah. yeah, but the thing that Paul had that I'd never met before with anybody was that he he said to me because um, he was so funny, right, and still is, but. He was like, oh, you know, summers, I go down to New York City. He grew up in in the city, and he said, and I audition at these comedy clubs. And it was literally like, what is he talking about? I don't know what... I I was thought, like, is he like Vic Damone or like as his act? (laughs) I mean, what's going on? And so he was the first person who told me about this world because I'm always fascinated with talking to other comics, especially ones like us who go so far back. Like, how did you even find out about this world? Right. Like, I don't know if I would have had I not met Paul. And then I... Went and watched him do an open mic night. Where was it? At Catch. And he was very funny because, mm-hmm. you know, doing five minutes. And he was he was good right away. Do you know who was emceeing? Was it Belzer or? It, it probably was David Say because that's oh, who was right, right. emceeing when I right. went on stage the first time. Um, and then it was like, oh, I like this world because I've always said that as opposed to acting or you got to find an agent and go to class right. and develop a method. I, right. You know, I was in college. I, I stood online during the day and I got a number and right, I went right. on that night. That's the best thing about being a comedian. It's like you're equal. You're on an equal playing field. Yes. Like you. I remember doing it for the improv and catch and, you know, you stood online. You got your number. The other thing, and you had written, wrote about this in the book, too, which I like to tell the young comics these days. <laughs> right. It, you know. You write about you when you auditioned, you know, too bad if the audience, if someone puked in the audience right before you went on, uh-huh. you know, it, too bad if someone was doing filthy material before you got, you know, you had one shot at getting stuff yes. and, and and you had to do it live. It wasn't like you had, could tape yourself over. And I mean, these kids these days mm-hmm. have no idea how easy they have it. <laughs> I mean, easy in what respect? Well, I feel like they... I feel like, you, you know, as far as, I mean, like, I remember those SNL auditions, and I remember um, going on at Catch when you never knew who was going to be in the audience. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes, it you know, the circumstances would be against you. Like, yeah. just, you know, just a bad crowd, mm-hmm. or, you know, they got the checks, check spot, you know anything but it was too bad that was your slot it was you know but that's what i still love about stand-up though whenever you're talking to young people it's like the only way you're going to learn to do it is is reading my book Mm -hmm. and then and doing it there's no other way out and that hasn't changed since day one right 
when somebody made people laugh, you know, doing jokes about fire and the wheel right. in prehistoric days. You right. got to get up and do it. And that's the only way you learn how right. to do it. I love these people that are like, oh, I took a class. Like, am I ready to go on Fallon now? It's like, no. no. <laughs> right. <laughs> no, you have to really, that's the only way. And the only way to write new material right. is to keep doing it and doing it in front of people and, you know, that, that process, shaping it. And, you know, I always say, get, there isn't something you get from stage time, you can't get it any other way. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. you can sit there at a computer and write and write and write jokes, but unless you get on stage yes. and do them, you have no idea, A, if they were. I mean, there's so many times I write a bit and I think it's the funniest thing. Mm -hmm. And then I go on and I'm like, are you kidding? Like, but I'm, that's how I am. So I'm like, are you really? Yeah. You don't think, and I'll do it. I'm so relentless. I'll keep doing it until it's just like, Judy, you're wasting everyone's time. And then you time. have to give up. Right. And the other thing that people I always find don't know about comedy is that, you know, the biggest question is always like, does a joke work in New York, but it won't work in Omaha? It's like, it's amazing how universal right. humor is. Right. And if a joke doesn't work in New York, it's probably not going to work in and San Diego. It, right. A joke is a joke. And right. if people either respond to it or not. I mean, obviously, I have like... I have New York jokes right, that like, people will laugh at because of right, about New York. the subway. Right, yeah, yeah. But okay. um, I I find that fascinating about humor. So you uh, you decide you go to this open mic night and then you say to your parents, "Listen, I mean, a well, Jewish I passed the audition. Right, you passed it. Yeah. Catch. Yeah, I didn't want to sound like a crazy person. Right. You went to audition night and then decided to leave yeah. college. Yeah, and you say to your parents, "Listen." I, I got to do this. I need to go to Queens College. Yes. I'll uh, transfer to Queens College, now, which was a good thing because my mom graduated from there. Oh. Yeah. Um. All right. So that was good. Right. So it wasn't like you were saying you were being fully Jewish and saying, I'm going to get my degree. Yes. And but I think in retrospect, I look at my parents now and I... They were so great about it. Right. I can't believe how great right. they were. Because you it. have you have, well, we'll get to your child yeah. soon. But that they. But, but I remember my dad saying two things. He was like, "Carol, you got to strike while the iron's hot." Right. And when I look back now, I passed the audition at a comedy club. It wasn't exactly an <laughs> iron getting hot. And the other thing he said, which always makes me laugh to this day, was, "Carol, it's a cash business, and you can't beat cash." <laughs> So, you know, I, I think also he wanted me to pursue his dream. And right. my mother confided in me many years later that I she thought it was something I was going to get out of my system. And that's fine. When, you know, and that's also the benefit of youth. When you're right. 21, you can say, oh, I, I want to feel like doing this. And nobody gets too worked right. up about it. It's funny because Phyllis Diller started at 37. Oh, I still can't And left that. her kids, you know? Wow. I didn't know that part. Yeah, well, she had to because he wasn't making any money. Uh, and boy, was she talented. I have yeah. so many notes that I had wrote while I was reading your book. <laughs> um, you got oh, also when you were growing up, comedy albums. Yes. Well, that's the other thing that I feel we were lucky to have grown up in the time that we did. You were captive to your parents' taste. Right. What they right. played in the living room was right. what you listened to. Right. And I was lucky that my parents. You know, not only with musical comedy, I mean, I could lip sync Fiddler on the Roof right. and albums like that, but they loved all the great comedy albums of the time. 2000 Year Old oh, Man. Oh, right, Fiddler on the Roof, yes. Um, Vaughn Meter, yeah. Alan Sherman. And, but not only that, it created this atmosphere in the house of loving and revering comedy. Right. Watching the 
comics on Ed Sullivan. It was just all around me. And you la- and you did it together. Was your brother like that too, or the whole family did? Yeah, because it you know it's interesting, that, you know, because my humor comes from, <laughs> you know, my the humor in my household is just sarcasm, sarcasm and depression uh-huh. and sadness, you know, and it's just like it's. And your podcast is called Kill Me Now. Yeah, yeah. It's just, it's like, it's it's what I would have probably, you know, wished for, yeah, you know? Yeah. And uh-huh. this, like, this great family. Did you get Bob Minsford? No, I didn't until uh, in my 40s. Lori, uh, my wife, and I got Bob Minsford together. Oh, okay, oh, I gotta vomit. That is so beautiful. So nice. Um, That is so sweet. Yeah, yeah we both decided Do you have Talit? Oh, here's here's the crazy part. I wore the talus that my dad wore at his bar mitzvah in 1930. No way. I did. Wait, so when was your father born? 1917? Mm-hmm. Mine was 1916. Wow. Uh, whoa. Okay. I don't normally meet people who, because my dad was, my parents were older. Same. My yeah, mother yeah, yeah. was 41 when I was, she was born in 22. Mm-hmm. And my father's born in 1916. Wow. I know. That was the other fantastic part. Of it. Uh, okay, so but here's you know the other thing though that I think is important in in the formative years. Yes, was I also worked for my dad? He was he had an office in Queens Boulevard, his mm-hmm. optometry office. What was the name of it? Just Eyesight Opticians. Oh. I don't know if they're still there or not. But I worked for him for uh, two summers, and what was great about it was I got to see my dad as a boss, and he was. Not only a really good boss, but he was a good shopkeeper. Like, I think of it all the time when I'm just out in the world. Like, a big thing with my dad was if people were waiting in the waiting room, he would walk in and go, hi, everybody. We're going to get to you all. Sorry about the wait. You know, just hang in there. And now, I always say this to Lori whenever we're somewhere like, nobody's saying anything about, (laughs) you know, uh, the wait. And it, it just takes one second to go acknowledging people right. and, and that kind of stuff and his employees loved him right and, that says a lot yeah and his work ethic of being on time and you know being positive right. so i think that was good for me to see too wow yeah. and he lived through the depression and still yeah 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 wow was he really cheap he was i'm trying to i'm working on a bit about it now like i remember you know because it was like growing up in generic hell because right it was like i wanted tropicana orange right juice, right right frozen orange juice right same and wanted to, a tv guide but it's right. like the listings are in the paper right. i never used 411 <laughs> ever right you if you oh my god and the and the thermostat yeah. don't even touch it was <laughs> right. like minus 20 degrees yes. icicles on my on my comforter absolutely. you know absolutely oh even like I would go to my best friend's house. She had Tropicana, you know, or like that kind of stuff. And I remember buying, when I was an adult, my dad opened my fridge and I had the small Tropicana individual things. He was wow. like, Carol, you're paying for the packaging. He <laughs> <laughs> you know? was like, yeah, no. And it's still in me now because I um, totally am a bargain hunter. And, uh, you know, it's in your DNA. Right. I, I went the complete opposite. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I hate myself for it because how he, do you, you because yeah. I'm like you know what I could die tomorrow I'm gonna get the you know right 
And but there's a good side to that too. Right, but then you have to stop doing that after a while. <laughs> <laughs> you realize you can't afford the steak. Hey everyone, you know, one of my favorite things in life, if not my most favorite thing in life, which, yeah, it's arguably my most favorite thing in life besides my kids, and is food and eating. Eating is my favorite activity. And eating is better and easier with Factor. Factor, I'm telling you, I tried their stuff. It is delicious. It is great. It is high quality. And they are, when I say ready to eat meals, they're ready to eat in two minutes. They're not frozen. They're never frozen. They're chef crafted, dietitian approved, and literally you heat them for two minutes. Every week you have over 35 options to choose from. They have calorie smart, protein plus, keto. I just did chef's choice. 60 or more add-ons that you can stay fueled up. They had these juice shots that were incredible. These are restaurant quality meals that are ready to heat and eat when you are ready to eat. That's it. And they're really good. Elisa loved them too. There's no prep. There's no mess. I've tried a lot of these different kinds of meals. Factor is amazing and so convenient. It's so great to get home from a long day of like schlepping around and knowing you have this delicious meal waiting for you in the refrigerator that takes two minutes to heat up. And you can pause, you can reschedule your deliveries at any time. It is a great solution for those nights and days that you're looking for fast, great, delicious options with no cooking required, okay? And Factor is less expensive than takeout. So what are you going to do? Because I'm telling you, you have to believe me, I never lie, Factor is amazing. You're going to head to Factor Meals, F-A-C-T-O-R-M-E-A-L-S, dot com slash Judy Gold 50, J-U-D-Y-G-O-L-D 50, five zero, okay? Judy Gold 50. And use code J-U-D-Y-G-O-L-D 50, Judy Gold 50, to get 50% off. That's code Judy Gold 50 at factormeals.com slash Judy Gold 50 and get 50% off. It's worth it. You're welcome. All right, so you um, you pass, you go to Queens College, you graduate, yes. and here you are. You're you're just doing stand up. I'm just well, no, I graduated. Right, I would go to school by day, right, and um, do my sets, sets at, at night. night, and then um, uh, Where, I, and you're living at home. I was living at home on Long Island. But it was so funny because um, it was so new stand up comedy. I was a theater major, like my theater professor who had just realized like a week ago his name was Paul Maharis and I'm looking at West Side Story yeah he was George Maharis's brother and I didn't even realize that until this many years later funny isn't that incredible yeah but anyway he was like why don't you do an independent study and tape your uh I don't even know if we call them sets and yeah, tape right. your performances and we'll listen to them and you know so I got credit for doing stand-up. that's awesome yeah um do you do you remember the you know people don't know that the comedy clubs had a band, the Catch right. Rising Star yes. had a band. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pat Benatar used to go in there. Oh my oh. god! I tell that story about how when I waited online with Paul to get numbers to go for audition night, 
uh, she she had already kind of made it, and she breezed in to rehearse during the day, and she turned around to the line, and she went, hang in there, guys, it works. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah. Um, I, I just, you know, I did my DNA, 23andMe. Yeah. And I got a message from Eddie Rabin. Oh, he told me that. Yeah, we're cousins. We're that second cousins. It's crazy. The shortest what? Jewish piano player. <laughs> he was the piano player at Catch a Rising Star. Oh, my God. And he's I like four feet believe. tall. He's like Paul Schaefer yeah. light. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's so funny. He told me that on Facebook. Oh, oh my God. He's like, are you? All right. Anyway. What okay, so. Like? So I graduated from Queens, yeah. but then I needed to uh, have a day job. Right. So. Oh, first, this is, I love this story. Uh, well, first I went to this, um, I forgot who recommended this guy. Um, I, went, I worked at Candler Coffee Company, but that mm -hmm. it didn't work. And then he said, I have a friend. Candler. Yeah. Who is um, a private eye. I, I love that. Yeah. And he needs a secretary. So I thought right away, and you have to be a certain age to get this reference. Oh, my God, I'll be like Peggy from Mannix. <laughs> and he said, go over. And it's so funny because I came down 7th Avenue to get here, and his, his office was 450 7th Avenue. And he said he needs a secretary. And I met with this guy. His name was George, who was the private eye. But describe how you, like, before you went in, what you thought you were going to be walking into. Well, like, a, yeah, like a private eye. Like, right. You know, just uh, kind of this romantic kind right, of right. thing. And it was a guy who gave polygraph tests to people that wanted to work at places like Burger King right. and escort services. <laughs> so the waiting room was like potential hookers and... Stormy Daniels. Yeah, right. Yeah. And uh, burger slingers. Right. But what was great about the job was he was like, I just need a typist to write up these reports. And I was like, great, um, I can type. And I, I just said to him, because you know from being a comic, I was going on at one and two in the morning. Right. I said, instead of nine to five, would you consider letting me work from 11 to six with no lunch? And he said, great. And then I had my job. So, so I did that amazing. for about a year. Yeah, I remember when I started and I worked too. I was a typesetter because I typed really fast too. Uh huh. And then you could, you, I worked for magazines and you'd code the, you know, you'd like input the articles, right? Right. And code all the font and everything. And um, I, I did it for money and then eventually when I didn't have to work as many hours I said can I work enough hours just to make have health insurance uh -huh. um, and you know a lot of I remember I don't know if it was like this with you but there were a lot of comics who would have no money and just complain and not work during the day and just whine and complain right. that they had no money and I was like get a fucking job yeah, well, I'm surprised at that because I had to work because I got an apartment. Right, and uh, how am I going to make right? My but there rent? were yeah. Remember, the, like there were people in their cars, and I don't know. All right, so you're very responsible. <laughs> um, okay, so you start getting gigs. Yes, like and like uh, it, let's explain the time. So we're in the eighties. Late, not even the eighties. Late seventies, right? And this, and it's about to boom. Mm-hmm. Uh, comedy's about to become yeah, this huge. I remember huge... I got this job to do Baruch College. I waited for it. Sorry. And it was a hundred bucks. Wow, that must have been. A yeah, lot. and that was like, oh my god, I'm in the money. Right. Like, amazing. And it was gigs like that. That, and then you know, like these Jersey gigs that right. were always like forty bucks. Right. Right. 
And that wasn't like that bad. Right. I remember at, did you ever work at Comedy U Grand? You were gone. But um, there was this. Was that Barry it, Katz's room? No, it was. Oh, that was um, Boston Comedy. That was, uh, what was his name? The two got Bert and. Uh, Ernie. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you said it. I'd have gotten in trouble. Bert. Oh, I forgot. Bert Haas, I think his name was. And I forgot the other guy, but he, we found out he did porno movies. Anyway, <laughs> um, they they had a women's comedy night. This is where I met all my generation, you know, um, Wanda and, you know, right, all right. these. Uh, and they had uh, a women's comedy night on Thursday night. And I remember the first time they paid me and I got $5. <sighs> and I was like, right? wow. Yeah. I'm Incredible feeling. Yeah. Amazing. And even like making forty bucks to do Jersey gigs—that's a lot for yeah, that period of yeah, time. Yeah, that wasn't bad. I remember, you know, you'd get in these cars oh, with these people. That oh my you god! Didn't know. and I remember getting in the car once, and the guy was driving me. I was like, "Um, you don't have a rear view mirror." <laughs> and he was like, "Honey, you get it all from the sides." <laughs> <laughs> like the side mirrors cover you. There, there were a there were comics at that time who were so bad, but they had a car. Yeah, and who would only get the gigs because, because they, they had a car. People. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, Minervini. What were the what? Uh, Gary Grant. Do you remember Gary Grant? No. Oh, Belazzo's uh, Jim Belazzo. Oh yes, I did a lot of gigs. Yeah. for him. And um, Jerry Stanley, right? A, you know, it's so funny. He's a Facebook friend of mine. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, people like that. So, who who are you? So you so Larry David was emceeing at Catch at Catch when you passed, and Jerry Seinfeld was emceeing at the Strip Comic yes. Strip when mm -hmm. you passed, mm -hmm. and you didn't know them before. No, um, and they sort of become your cohorts. Yes. Uh, I mean, can you just... All right. We have Paul Reiser, you, Jerry, Larry. I mean, this crop. Who else was... Larry Miller. Oh, Larry Miller. I loved him. Was part of oh, that. Oh, wait. Sorry. <laughs> okay. Um, you know, the comics of my... Mark Schiff. Yes. Love um, him. He's very Jewy, Mark Schiff. Yeah. Yeah. He's very into it. Yeah. Um... Rita Rudner was at Catch right. at the time. Nancy Parker, I don't think Oh, she's... I love Nancy. I still see Nancy. Oh, you do? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is she still performing? No. Done. Mm -hmm. She was so talented. Oh, and Adrian. Yes. Was at the comic yes. strip. Bill right. Sheft. I hadn't met him quite yet. Right. I don't think. Larry Amros. Uh, but He's, Gilbert, yeah. Gottfried, yes. um, um Ronnie Shakes. Ronnie Shakes, yes. But Gilbert and um, Fred Stoller. Oh, yeah. I love Freddie. Yeah. Yeah. So all those I mean, people. was there anyone from your group that didn't make it? Plenty. Really? Yeah. Yeah. There were a lot of people that... Went uh, by the wayside. Yeah. Yeah. Just couldn't, uh, couldn't bear it. What you have to bear. Oh, mm. it's... And it's unbearable. Yeah. Hey, ladies. Uh, so you start... <laughs> you start... Um, you start getting, you know, these gigs. When do you realize, when do you quit, first of all? When do you quit your day job? I quit my day job about a year. I, I did that from, like, I think September to June. Right. And, and then, then you were making goodbye. enough money. And when did you move out of your parents' house? Oh, I had moved out when I took the secretary when, oh, job. when you got, all right. Yeah. And, and I lived with my friend Jim Matthews, who... 
I'm still friends with, who I was a backup singer for his cabaret act. Really? And we moved into an apartment. Do you have a good voice? Um, no, no. He had the really good voice. All right. He was backup. But right. He, um, we found an apartment at 64th and Lex for a fourth floor walk up for 450. Wow. Yeah. How many bedrooms? Two. What? How many bathrooms? One. That's all right. I yeah. Have one, I have one bathroom. <laughs> such a loser. All right. Uh, when do you realize, okay, this is working. This is, you know, I'm, I'm on my way. That's a I mean, very you, good question. Because you get those moments yeah. through your whole career. But when was the first time you were like, oh, yeah, this is this is it. This is probably when, you know, we had the New York laugh off. Um, and I, I think hate it's so those. funny. I know that there are still contests. Right. But it was I was the only woman and it was. Uh, the five contestants were Eddie Murphy, who came in last, me, uh -huh. mm -hmm. Rick Overton, mm -hmm. Mark Schiff, and mm -hmm. Steve Middleman, who won. Oh, Steve Middleman. Yeah. He yeah. got, he um, had no chin and then he got one. Right. And then it was. Um, <laughs> My mother wanted me to marry him. Oh, did she? Well, because uh, he was tall. Yeah. And I guess I, I did a gig and my parents uh, came. And my, anytime there was a tall guy, mm -hmm. near, Judith, look. Yeah. And I was like, he's has a penis. I didn't say that, but <laughs> you know, Judith, he's tall. And you know, tall men are not attracted to tall women. They're not. No, because it's they probably get the same. They like short women. Uh huh. And short guys and black guys love tall women. Hmm. Isn't that interesting? Short guys though often feel um, less than when they're with a the tall. They make it a big deal. Yeah. What know? What do you mean? They make it a big deal, like that uh, the woman wants to wear heels, or or you know they feel emasculated by their right. height. Okay, I'm still wanting you to shave that mustache thing. <clears throat> and that is why it is still on my face. Okay. <laughs> anyway. Uh... <laughs> but that was around right. the time that I developed a bit of a problem with alcohol. Right. Because I was drinking to get loose and to Before lose you my want... nerves. Right. Yeah. Um, and how did you stop? I just... It was a couple of years of drinking wine, and then it, be it started to become white. Mm -hmm. It became a problem because it became all about timing, and one glass of wine became, I need two glasses of wine. Right. I have to get to the club at this time right. to drink it and then get buzzed. And, right. and then I got the Letterman show, and then it was like, I'm not... I remember I did something where I opened for Robert Klein for a radio show, and I was in the green room drinking wine. I was thinking, this is bad. Right. This is not good. Right. And when I got the Letterman show, I made a vow to myself. I said, I'm not going to be, I, I got to cut this off at the past now. So I right. just went cold turkey. And I had to, for a couple months, had to relearn uh, being nervous and performing being nervous. Right. That's so interesting. Yeah. I, I never. Never, ever. ever. I won't do anything. Yeah. I mean, and to this day, I right. don't. And I'm happy that it didn't become a real alcohol problem where right. I had to go to AA or anything. Right. And I just stopped. But it wow. definitely was a problem. I don't. Don't you think you're better? We're better at without doing it. Oh, yeah. It's yeah, like yeah. I feel like I need every synapse of my brain and I want to know everything that's going on. Yes. You know, no, you need and then that. I have my wine afterwards. Mm -hmm. But uh, they're still comics. I remember Lou DiMaggio. Used to stand there with his, I don't know what he had. He had a little 
glass and I was like how is he doing his act and drink like I don't yeah um and I'm still that way when I go to an industry party because a lot of times I'd like to drink right but I don't because I want to be sharp for right who I meet and right. run into and what I say right no, I, I get it. At the, all right, so so you get Letterman. Mm-hmm. How many times did you audition before you got Letterman? Um, I only, I, he saw me on the New York Laugh Off right. and recommended me to The Tonight Show. Right. And they turned me down. But then when Letterman got his show, right. they called my agent and said, oh, we, you know, will she come on the show? Right. So that's how it happened. Do you remember your first joke you did on Letterman? Um... Oh, God, somebody just put it up on YouTube recently. I'm not sure what the first one was. I remember your act. You do. I remember um, you do that to me, two, three, and I do that. Oh, that after you're with someone for a real long time, sex sex becomes a well-choreographed mambo. mambo. Very good, yes. (laughs) Yes, and then I remember, bye-bye now, bye-bye, bye-bye now, bye-bye, bye-bye. stole it. Stole it. Everyone stole that. Yeah. Yep. (laughs) I remember that. I was like, that's Carol Leifers! So you do Letterman. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Did anything change? Like, were the comics like, eh, Carol's in Letterman? No. I, you know, and I'm I'm assuming you felt this at the time that we came up as well. People were very supportive. Yes. And it wasn't people who wanted to trip you and, you know. It was, it's such a tight community yeah like it's i don't know if it's i think it's like that now i mean i still go out like four nights a week Where to the cellar go? i go to the cellar I, mm-hmm. all the time i go to west side i mean like i'm still like i just I started west doing side comedy club is good i like it yeah. yeah so i still go out like i just started um and it, i i don't know there's something like when John Joseph is there or someone, uh, you mm-hmm, know, mm-hmm. that it's, uh, you just want to hug and I don't know. It's different. It's, I mean, I think they're really, they're, you know, the people that of the next generation are really close, I guess. But there's a little bit of. They've got you know, their own groups, but it definitely is more saturated cli- now. And it's mm-hmm. clicky. It's kind of clicky. It is. Yeah. yeah it's, it's like, oh, clicky. you're in. Yeah. Are there a lot of women, more women? Yes. Uh, um, yes. And I'm going to not say who, but the other night I did, I was working and I saw a young woman on stage and I went in to watch because I love supporting the ladies and I was watching and then I was, you know, she was in the middle of a bit. So I was trying to figure out what she was talking about. And then I heard, and yeah, and that's what happens when you take your shit. And I was like, I can't, I can't take it. <laughs> yeah. And then she started talking about anal. And I thought, what, what, did, what did we, this is not feminism. Yeah. Feminism isn't like talking like a, like a jerk guy. You know what I, mm-hmm. I don't know. I just was like, there's so many other topics yeah. that we can cover. No, I, that bothers me as yeah. well. Um, and that gets really old really quick. Right. And, you know, it was and it remains really about doing the work. That's Mm -hmm. what the thing is. Like, you have to do the work. Yeah. And I think a lot of people don't want to do the work. Mm -hmm. Um, So, all right, you do Letterman. Um, Now, I I wrote down a bunch of, like, great stories uh, of you going on the road. Okay. Okay. Number one, the Beach Boys. Oh. Beach Boys. 
All right. Well, so right after I did Letterman, it went really well the first time. And then they invited me back. I was on April 1st. Then they invited me May. Right. And then they said, come back in September. Right. And the third time that I did the show, my agent got a call that Carl Wilson, this is how long I've been around. Carl Wilson, a beach boy who is dead. Dead. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Got in touch with my agent and said, uh, we want to offer Carol opening for us in Lake Tahoe Christmas week. So I was excited, right. but I was nervous too right. because I was a little green for the casino right. crowds. I didn't know that yet, right. but I was. And I went and did this gig, and to say that it did not go well was an understatement. Just people ate me up, and they were talking, and no one policing the room. No one watching the the Beach Boys tuning up while I was on stage. <laughs> I know I read that. I like literally, it's so rude. I know, and I had to go back to no manager or agent with me, just going Beach Boys. Can you not tune right. up while I'm on? And finally, culminating in a New Year's Eve show or Christmas or I don't know whatever, right. where there are a bunch of frat boys right down front who gave me so much shit were pulling on my mic cord. So no way. Uh, I read that in the yes. book, but I'm not yeah. like I'm surprised. <laughs> what? Yeah, pulling on my mic cord. Uh, people, out of my d- head. it's so unbelievable the crap. Yes. That that we had. Tell the story about the corporate gig, uh, with they didn't have a spotlight. Oh. This is the best story. Oh, this is a very well, a very loving story about yeah. Joan Rivers. I went to do a corporate date in New York. I forgot what company it was from, maybe car salesman, I don't know. But uh, I got there, again, without, we travel solo, comics, without agent, manager. And I was supposed to be the headliner, but they got Joan Rivers to uh, come up and do a couple minutes and introduce me. So I arrive at the gig, and I see that there's, as a comic, you need a mic and a stand, and you also need a spotlight. So people know where to, like, look. Look, yeah. yes, in a dark room. So I got there, and I said to the tech guy, I see the mic and the stand. I said, um, where is the spotlight? And he looked at me like, uh, we don't have it, Cher. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> sorry. And I was like, no, you don't understand. Whatever. It was being right. a dead horse. I was like, not going to have a spotlight. And like most things with comics, when you see that things are not going to go, well, you just grin and bear it. Right. So then Joan came, and Joan walked in. She was very nice and uh, immediately said hello to me and looked at the stage, and she's like, where's the spotlight? And, of course, this tech guy now is like, oh, I don't I don't know, Miss Rivers. Well, that's ridiculous. So she bounds on stage to bring me on and literally does her couple of minutes and says, look, uh, I'm only doing a couple minutes and I'm bringing Carol Leaf on, but I got to tell you, there is no spotlight at this gig and it is so unprofessional and you better give her a thousand percent attention because it's no way to run a, a corporate event and you guys should be ashamed of yourself. And walked off and it really, really helped me because right. then after that they were so shamed right, by Joan right. Rivers. But I love that story. A lot, because it also shows the camaraderie right. among comics. And of- what a great woman she was. Yeah. She was like, you know, she, I mean, okay, her act, she could, she was caustic. Yes. But she was classy, 
her work ethic, I, I think no yes, one crazy and and just a kind kind always showed up like mm-hmm. anytime I was doing like she was so supporty. Yeah. Don't forget to tune in next week to Just Kill Me Now. Um, for, it's Just Kill Me. Oh. Don't forget to turn uh, for part two on Just Kill Me. No, it's not. It's <laughs> just, just Kill Me. Now. No, Judy Gold's Just it's Kill Me. Just Kill Me Now. Just, just kill me now. <laughs> and uh, everything was wonderful. I'll see you soon. Thank you for the visit. So long.